0: Hi, you're listening to audio from Rock Hill Church. To check out more resources, please visit rockhilllawrence.com. Thank you for joining us. Good morning. Um, Jade and Chance, thank you for leading us. Um, I was telling them some of my Texas this past week, and I'm uh, always really encouraged when they lead. They just have a gift and anointing. Um, to just lead us to the throne. and um, it's rare and uh, so thank you for that. I don't know if you guys know, but songs don't just magically happen, um, and they don't just like any mini Miny mo and chooses one. Um, Chance really deliberates and thinks about what is going to flow together as far as messages with the message. and several of the lines from uh, these songs really fit in really well with what we're going to be talking about today. And so thank you for, for leading. Um, I'm Brian. If I've never met you before, I know there's lots of faces that I, haven't, I don't recognize and uh, some that I see again. Caleb, good to have you back in town for a little bit. And, uh, but uh, but um, I'm Brian. I'm not the pastor of our church. Uh, Jim is not here today. He's with his daughters graduating in their family. And so uh, she's getting, she got her PhD. So they're kind of celebrating today, and and together with that. So um, I just before I begin, I just really want to ask you to spend a f- just praying and asking God to meet you here this morning. And this is a passage that we're going to be talking about that is become really rich and meaningful to me this week. And so just spend a few moments, just asking God. To meet with you. It may have been a really busy morning, may have been a crazy morning with the storms. Um, So just ask God to, out of His grace and love, to uh, show you His truth today in a real way. So spend just a moment just praying to yourself. Father, we just humbly come before you this morning and ask that you would teach us, that you would be our teacher just from a story of an encounter that Jesus had with a woman. God, I pray that you would use this story to teach us about you and how you want to engage and encounter and just touch our lives to minister to us. And so, Father, I pray that you would be with us. I pray, God, that you would just guard my mouth and my words, and that everything that, that I speak would be an overflow from your heart today. So, God, teach us and use this story to change us and impact us. In your name we pray, amen. The main point, we're talking about John in John 4 today, and it's a famous story um, about a Jesus encountering and spending time with a woman at Jacob's well. And so the main point of this message today, the main point of what God's really laid on my heart today is actually found in another verse in Psalm chapter 34, verse 18, and this is what it says. So this is the main point of what we're talking about today. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. He draws near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. God loves to come near to the lowly, the outcast, the down and out, those filled with shame and hurt and wounds and scars, to meet them in those places. To demonstrate love and mercy and grace in a way that only he can. I just love that. That's been a really meaningful verse to me the last 15 years or so that God draws near to the brokenhearted. Those who are crushed in spirit. And so today we're looking at this passage and this story from John chapter 4. And if you have your Bible or if you have your phone, if you want to turn there, that'd be great. Um is pretty popular. It's pretty famous. And it can, there's several different ways that I could talk about this passage. And I think Jim's actually going to talk about it next week as well. And so today we're going to be looking at it from Jesus's perspective. Kind of like how did Jesus engage this woman? And how did Jesus just really touch her life? And my contention is, is he's going to do the same thing and in the same way that, he does, that to the, for the woman as he does Us today, or he can, and so it's a powerful story. It's meant a lot to me this week. There's actually something that I I've thought my whole life about this story that I think has been wrong, and I'm going to share that in a little bit. Um, I find it really interesting that this is the longest recorded dialogue that Jesus has with anyone in the New Testament. In all of the all the New Testament, he this is the longest recorded dialogue. It wasn't with John, his best friend, or any of the disciples. It was with this woman at the well. And I also find it interesting that it comes right after John chapter 3. John chapter 3, Dave preached on it a few weeks ago. It was about Jesus talking, having a dialogue with a Pharisee named Nicodemus in the night in the, in the stillness of the night. I think it's interesting that John puts the story of the woman at the well right after that. A, a man who was looked upon as a, in the governing class, in the ruling class, a religious leader compared to a woman who was filled with lots of scars and hurts and shame serving the family or serving her kids or serving her husband or her, the person that she was living with. There's a just big contrast between these two stories. And so we're going to look at it together. And so I'm going to read through John chapter 4, just the first 26 verses. I'll stop a few times just to have some notes about it to kind of paint the picture a little bit. And so if you have your Bible... Um, you can turn there, John chapter 4, and it says this Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus, Jesus himself was not baptizing, but it was his disciples, Jesus and the disciples left Judea and went away again into Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. I'm going to stop right there for a second. Just that phrase, I want to do a little bit of a Greek lesson. He had to pass through Samaria. That's an imperfect word, and it's an imperfect verb. And so what that means is he it was, it was, had the idea of he had to go. In reality is there were other routes to go to Galilee where he wanted to go. He didn't actually have to go. There were other places that he could have gone But I believe that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, had a divine encounter for Jesus and the disciples to meet this woman and to spend time in this village. And so he went. And I want to give you an idea. This this journey from Judea to Galilee, from Jerusalem to Galilee, was about 80 miles. They didn't have horses or carriages or anything like that. And so it took about a week to get to where they were going. So they were walking about 10 to 15 miles a day. Let's go on. So he came to the city of Samaria called Sakar, near the parcel of the ground that Jacob gave to his son Jacob, to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, being wearied from this journey, was sitting by the well. It was the sixth hour of the day. So the sixth hours of the day was about noon. So he was there about in the heat of the day, about 12 o'clock in the afternoon. And the, one of the things that really struck me about this part right here was Jesus's humanity. Jesus's humanity. I'm thinking often about, when I think of Jesus, I think of Jesus as like Superman. And like he could do anything and he could accomplish anything. But this talks about how that Jesus was weary, and he was tired from his journey, which is just different than what I usually picture Jesus at. But he was tired, and he just needed to sit down and be with us. He needed to sit down and be there and rest and take a load off of his feet. Jesus is fully human. And sometimes I just forget that, that he was tired. He needed some water. He needed to sit down and he needed to rest. When I think about Jesus' humanity, I often think about the, one of the names of Jesus being Emmanuel, God with us. In God's sovereignty and goodness, he sent Jesus to earth so that he could be man, fully man with us, and engage life with us. He was fully man. So let's read on. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. <laughs> Therefore, the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink since I am a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. No worries. <laughs> Uh, so that's a reminder. I saw some other people get their phones out and turn it on silent. So thanks for the reminder. You're good. So oftentimes when they go to a history lesson, the Jews and Samaritans, they did not like each other and they didn't interact with one another. Oftentimes the the Jewish people, they thought that if they were around the Samaritans or if they shared a meal or drink water after the Samaritan, they would be unclean. That there'd be something wrong with them. And so this woman approaches the well to draw water out of the approaches the well to draw water. And she sees a man, a Jewish man there. She doesn't know him, hasn't heard about him, and he says, Will you give me a drink of water? And she's so confused by saying, Why are you asking me for water? Don't you understand that it's culturally wrong? And that doesn't compute in her mind. And then he says, he answered her in verse 10 and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. But she said to him, sir, she's very polite in her response to him. She's not antagonistic at all, but she says, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water that you're speaking of? You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us this well and drank from it himself and his sons and the cattle? Jesus answered and said to her, "Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. She's talk he's talking about the water from Jacob's well. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. I love this next verse. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water. She's thinking like this is some kind of magic water that he wants to give. Like, give me this water so I'll never thirst again. Like, so I don't ever have to come back to the well to do my job in the heat of the day and carry many pounds of water back to my village. Give me this water so I won't ever thirst again. She wasn't understanding what Jesus was talking about. She was missing the point. And then Jesus said in response, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband, and this is the part for the longest time that I thought was cruel. And I'm going to get to it in a minute. For the longest time, I thought that, why would Jesus, they're talking about water and living water, why would Jesus tell the woman, go get your husband, knowing that that is one of her deepest hurts and scars and wounds of her life? Like, it seemed really abrupt, like, we're talking about water. Yeah, let's now talk about your deepest wound. And he embraces it and engages with it. And the woman answered in verse 17 and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said, You have correctly said I have no husband. For you have have had five husbands, and the one whom you are now with is not your husband. This you have said truly. The woman said, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. That's like, sure. I just read your mail. I just know who about your life, and you're now saying, "I think you're a prophet." Maybe I'm not sure. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. She's talking about the differences between Jews and Samaritans. That the Jewish people say you have to work at worship at the temple in Jerusalem. But our Father said, You worship here on this mountain. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming and now is when the time when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth for such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth The woman said to him I know that the Messiah is coming he who is also called the Christ When that one comes he will declare all things to us And Jesus said To her, I who speak to you am he. I find it awesome that the first person that he declared that he was the Messiah, the coming Christ, was the woman at the well. In that intimate moment with the woman, he said, I am the Messiah. I am the one that generations have been waiting for. And then if you read down, if you want to find out the rest of the story, the woman runs away after this, leaves the water jugs that she came there with. Her job was to go get water in these water jugs and bring it back to the village. She leaves that there because she doesn't even care about that anymore, runs back to town and begins to tell the people that there's a man who says he's the Messiah that told me all about my life, and he knows me. And people became to know know Jesus in ways that they've never known him before. So we're going to look at three things about Christ. We're going to look at three ways that Jesus talked and spoke and related to this woman in such a real powerful way that's really been life-giving to me this week. And so the first thing is this. Jesus initiated with the woman. Jesus caused something to begin with this woman. Jesus was sitting there by the well. This woman comes up and wants to begins to draw water, which was her job. And, the, and Jesus said, can I have a drink? Jesus started the conversation with this woman, something that was out of the ordinary, that wasn't supposed to happen culturally, that wasn't supposed to happen at all. And Jesus said, I am going to initiate this conversation with this woman. I am going to cause something new to begin with this woman. The Spirit, I think the Spirit led Jesus to this place in time to meet with this woman in this village. And Jesus being led by the Holy Spirit said, I am going to start something new. Just like God initiated this conversation with this woman. He saw through her pain, he saw through her shame and her hurt and said, I am going to engage and start something, start a conversation. I believe God wants to initiate with you and me. I believe he wants to initiate relationship and he wants to initiate his love and grace and mercy through his creation. He created you. He created you uniquely to be you because he loves you and he wants to start a relationship with you. He initiated with us through Jesus by sending Jesus to earth to live among us, to be God with us, to be with us, and to save us and reunite us with Jesus, with God. He also initiates us initiates with us through the Holy Spirit. By giving us the Holy Spirit, he initiates relationship. He starts that so that we can have the Holy Spirit to guide us, to be with us, to comfort us. But he also initiates with us because of the church. See, guys, we're meant to live among an in community. Sometimes the church is hard. Sometimes the church is not what we think it's going to be or should be or would want it to be, but God initiates a relationship with us by giving us a church to do life with, to live with us. So God initi- Jesus initiated with the woman. The second thing he did was he engaged with the woman, he engaged with her. So Jesus, we talked about it already, was tired. He was weary. He had been probably traveling for many miles, walking, living in a tent, packing it up, walking some more, living in a tent, packing it up. It was the heat of the day in the the middle of the hot day, and he engages with this woman. He sends the disciples off to the village to get some food, and so I would imagine all the things that Jesus is going through, he's like, I'm going to sit here, and I'm going to enjoy Some alone time. Peter's asking way too many questions. Matthew has no idea what we're talking about. There are so many things that he's dealing with on this journey. And he's like, alone time is something he could have been really, really wanting. But he chose to engage with this woman. He was present with her. He was present with her. I don't know about you, but... After a long day, after mowing the yard or working outside, I'm like, man, I just want to sit and be still and drink some ice water. But Jesus chose to be present with this woman, just to be with her. He could have said, can you give me a drink of water? And she said, Why are you talking to me? He could have said, I don't worry about it. I'll get the water myself and just kind of go on his way. But Jesus saw her and said, I am going to do something different. I'm going to engage her and be present. I think that's foundational to who God is. Like we said earlier in Psalm 34, God draws near to the brokenhearted and hurting. It's all throughout Jesus' life. It's a constant theme of his that he is drawing near to people who are hurting. He's drawing near to people who are hurting today in the same way. He not only wants to initiate with us, initiate relationship with us, but he wants to engage with us and be very present with us in the middle of our hurts, in the middle of our joys. In the middle of life's good and life's bad, in the mountains and the valleys, God wants to engage and be present with us. He pursued the conversation and he didn't give up. He didn't give up once the woman wasn't getting the message. Did you notice that that he was like, "Give me a drink." And she said, "Wine," she said. He said, that, I'll give you living water. And she said, give me that. I, don't, I want the magic water. And he, she wasn't getting what he was talking about. And at that point, it could have been really easy for Jesus to say, all right, I planted a seed. I kind of talked about it. I gave her the message. But he chose to just be present and fully engage with her in that time and place. And the reason why is because Jesus sought out her heart. Man, Jesus sought out her heart. He sought out who she was. The part of her that she didn't want to probably talk about. She was likely filled with shame and hurt and scars and wounds. It's evidenced by the fact that she was there alone. Let me back up. And that day, most of the women and the people who would go draw water, whether it's a woman or a servant, would go in the cool of the morning because you'd have to walk a good amount of ways carrying water jugs on your back and shoulders or, and, and sometimes multiple jugs. And so she, it was often a, a communal thing. It was a time when they would do it together. It was a community-building time often in the cool of the morning. But this woman, John talks about how did it at this, around the sixth hour of the day, by herself, which is very unusual for that time period. So she's likely filled with shame and hurt and scars and wounds. So what could be going on with this woman? Jesus said that you've had five husbands, and the one that you're living with now is not even your husband. So those five husbands, some of them could have passed away. Some of them could have, um, could, could have divorced her. In that time period, it was very important for a woman to, if it got divorced or passed away, to remarry quickly because they would gain access to things in society that was important for her to have. And so it sa- says that you've had five husbands, and the one you were with is not even your husband. That could have been they could have been living together. It could have been the fact that there was a com- she could have been had common-law marriage, and so they were living together, acting like they were married. So we don't know for sure, but we know that she has shame and hurt or wounds or something, and Jesus says, I'm going to speak into that. And so when all throughout when I was growing up and even the last 20 years, I've always looked at that and I'm like, why would Jesus do that in such an abrupt and seemingly cruel way? It didn't make sense to me. I know Jesus is being gentle and lowly and caring and loving, so why would Jesus go from talking about water to talking about these deep wounds? And the reason why this week that it really hit me and it brought me to tears on Thursday morning was this. I wrote it down. Jesus met the woman in her hurt, he met her in her shame, she met her, he met her in her wounds. And Jesus began to offer her grace and mercy and love in the middle of that and help her to call her out of it. That is a beautiful picture that changed the whole story for me. I've always loved how she met Jesus and then went and did something about it. But the fact that Jesus met her in the middle of her hurts was overwhelming to me Thursday morning. I uh, was talking to Katie about it this week and she, um, she found this, this quote that really summarizes it. And it's on the screen. It says this. The water which Jesus means to give cannot be given before thirst for it is awakened. And in order to awaken her thirst, Jesus turns her back upon the shameful wretchedness of her life, that she may forget the water of Jacob's well in thirst for relief from shame and misery. I think that's an example of what Jesus was doing and why. She was coming looking for water, and Jesus wanted to give her more than just water. Jesus wanted to give him himself. Jesus wanted to give her himself. And to do that, he needed to say, here's your wounds, here's your hurts, here's your shame, here's the difficulty of your life that you don't like to talk about. I'm going to meet you there to show you that you need a Savior, but that I am your Savior, and I am the one that wants to bring healing and grace and mercy. I've come to realize the last four days that Jesus is actually showing an extreme amount of love and care for this woman. He's doing this because He loves her and He wants to see her flourish. He doesn't want to just see her limp through life and have difficulty upon difficulty because of the past. He wants to see her flourish and be different. He's engaging her at the core of who she is and bring her, bringing her to a new place of freedom. He goes on to say, this is about your, you just bring your husband I don't have a husband. You're right, you have five husbands, and the one you're with now is not your husband? She said, you're a prophet. Where should I worship? She's trying to change the subject. Where should I worship? And Jesus comes down and say, soon it's not gonna matter because of who I am. And in that moment, her life changed. And honestly, the whole village changed. The village was able to encounter Jesus because of what God did in this woman. Jesus is trying to shed light on the wounds for this woman so that she could experience grace. She doesn't want these wounds and hurts and things that probably keep her up at night. The things that keep her her to change the way to live life. She doesn't even go get water with the other women in the, in the morning. These wounds have completely, and scars and hurts, have completely changed her life. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you freedom in those places. The great thing about it is I believe Jesus wants to do the same thing for us. In our wounds, and in our hurts, and in our scars... Everybody in this room, and I'm going to even say everybody on this world, has their scars and has their hurts and has their wounds. So you're not alone with those. But Jesus wants to engage each, and one, each one of those. Jesus doesn't want to just give, get a better version of who you are and improve you. Jesus wants you because he created you. He wants all of you. He wants all the good things that you want everybody to see and he wants the things that you don't want anyone to see. He wants to touch those places of your life just like he wants to touch my place, those places of my life. Jesus came to enter the brokenness of creation and engage that brokenness so that we can have fullness and freedom and wholeness in him. I'm going to say a couple more things and then we're going to wrap up. I find it interesting just in, about the history and legacy of Jacob's Well. So this place called Jacob's Well was the place where Isaac and Rebekah from the Old Testament met one another and they eventually got married. It's also the place that Jacob and Rachel met one another and they eventually got married. And then also Moses, Moses and his wife, met there, and got married. All in this place. There's probably a place where things just happen at Jacob's well. Relationships are formed and things happen. This woman met Jesus there. He engages her deepest hurt involving marriage. And in that moment brought peace and grace and mercy and love into that wound. It was a redemptive place for her, or it became a redemptive place for her. I read this earlier, somewhere this week, and, and it was a great reminder of, of this passage. And that Jesus so, this is not all what I created, what, the next slide, um, but I don't know where I found it. Um, so, Jesus drew the woman, and in the same way, he's drawing each one of us. He's drawing us out of isolation and into community. He doesn't want us to live alone. He's drawing us out of that to live in community. He's drawing us out of shame and into freedom. He's drawing us out of the shallows of sin and into the depths of grace. Out of the poverty of spirit and into the riches of his mercy. Out of striving and and trying to live this life into rejoicing and joy and out of wandering and into purpose. That's our God, and that's our Savior, and that's the one who initiates with us, engages and is very present with us, and wants to seek out our wounds in our heart to bring fullness of life. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would meet us. That you would engage us. Father, I pray that our wounds and our hurts, our scars, that we would lay them before you. And God, that you would minister to us, that you would be present with us, that you would sit with us at the well And shed light on those things for us. God, I pray you'd be tender, that you'd be grace-filled and gracious. Because that's who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There's a couple of things that you could do with it today. One is this. You may be thinking, there's some scars, there's some hurts or some wounds that I even try to keep hidden from God that you may need to lay down before him and say, God, touch those areas and give me freedom and fullness. Initiate with those, engage with those, Jesus, and know my heart to bring me to a new place. But on the other spectrum, you may be like, you know what? There's a relationship that I need to initiate in. I need to be present in. I need to engage in. And maybe you need to be like Jesus was with the woman and engage and seek out somebody that God's putting on your heart. That happened to me this morning. When God placed someone on my heart, when I was always preparing for this today, you need to follow through and initiate. So that may be you. Whatever it is, I would just invite you as we sing this song to ask God, what does God want me to do with this story and with this message today? And then whatever that is, just lay that before him and ask him to give you the grace and mercy and boldness to do that.